this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. It's true, I can finally see you all now. I'll share about that a little bit later on in the message, but um, I just want to throw my support behind Pastor Smith. It's, he's only been in our office a week and already he's brought so much. Pastor James jumps in and they sing together at a, about four o'clock and they can sing. If I did that, everyone would leave, but it's, it sounds really nice and I'm just so excited. And, and for our young adults particularly, if you're not serving anywhere, you just heard the heart of this man. Why don't you jump on his team? Why don't you come and serve at youth and, and serve the generation that's following you and you're going to meet people, you're going to get involved, but more than that, you're going to see transformation in people's lives. So if you're, if you're looking for somewhere to serve, jump in youth, jump in raw, we'd, uh, we'd love to see you a part of that, but yeah, so pumped. All right, so we're continuing our uh, series on Deeper. It's uh, Pastor Nathan shared last week about fighting the good fight, running the race, and as a church, next week we've got um, Our Heart Sunday and and I believe, I, I don't know if I can say, we're going, the, the theme is deeper, I believe. I don't know if I can say that, we haven't released it yet, but that's the theme. Um, but so as a church, we've been, we've been exploring that. So in our morning series, we've been exploring deeper. And tonight, uh, I'm going to go there as well. And uh, particularly, I'm, I'm speaking from a passage in Luke, and it's the road to Emmaus. Uh, for those of you in church um, that have been to church a lot, you've probably heard this, this story before, and you've probably heard lots of sermons on this story. But... Uh, I felt a particular, I guess, call tonight, or uh, uh, the people that were on my heart as I was preparing this message are people that have experienced disappointment, are those that have been walking along in faith and have felt disappointed. You've, uh, you've attached these different expectations to Christ and you, it hasn't come about, and you felt disappointed. And I felt like tonight the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. He wants to speak to you, and, and my prayer for tonight is that He restores the hope that you have in your heart. and uh, So I'm excited to jump into it. So if you do have your Bible, it'd be good if you do. Most of you have it on an app, so whip out your phone. It's, uh, we're going to Luke 24, verse 13 to 35. And it says this. It'll be up on the screen as well, if you don't have that. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles or 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Typical Jesus, loves it. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these, there in the, these days? Again, Jesus, cheeky fella, what things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. 
But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he broke bread, broke bread, he didn't break the bed, he broke bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So as I say every time I speak, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for reading a big slab of scripture because we're a, we're a church that believes in the power of the word of God and what an incredible story. It was, uh, I had the privilege this week of preparing this message and the part I really enjoy about preparing a message is finding the context, see what's going on behind the story and, and find out what's really happening at this time. And this particular story, we, we don't really hear about Cleopas and the other person, the person who shall not be named. For tonight, we can call him Voldemort, if you like. Cleopas and Voldemort walking along the road to Emmaus. It's kind of amazing imagery. Uh, Harry Potter fans love it. Harry Potter haters hate it. Uh, so we won't do that. But it's basically, they're walking along this road, and, and something that's so important about this story is what's going on for Cleopas and his friend. You see, they have been, they're described as disciples. They're not one of the 12, but they're Jesus' disciples. So no doubt they were there on Palm Sunday cheering for Jesus as he came in on the donkey, cheering his name, thinking he's going to redeem them. They would have been sitting under his teaching. I mean, I even wonder, this is just me, but I wonder when he broke the bread and they finally recognized me, they're like, oh, that's the guy that fed the 4,000. It makes sense now. I also, I'd say, I, I wonder, you're right, you make jokes when you're nervous, but I wonder if, if that was kind of Jesus' call card, like in Home Alone with the wet bandits and the sticky bandits, if Jesus is the bread man, but it's uh, all good. I won't tell that one again. Um, it was better in my head, thank you. Bread is better in your head. Um, but it's so important to know this about them because they were fervently following Jesus. They were following in his ways. They were sitting under his teachings. They loved being with him and they were putting all of their hope in him. And then when he was crucified, their hopes were dashed. It was all gone. It was, uh, their hope was completely, had it completely disappeared. And, and that's where we pick it up here. So three days later, they were probably all disappointed together and then that morning the women come back and say, Jesus is gone and instead of having a little bit more hope again, they're like, can we not just stay disappointed? We're disappointed. Don't, I don't want to be let down again by this guy. I've been following him. I've been sitting under his teaching. They describe him as a prophet, a man that did good deeds. He did all these miracles. Surely, surely this is the guy that's going to redeem Israel. But he died. Spoiler alert, he doesn't stay dead. But he died. And so their hope is gone. And so what they're doing is they're, they're walking to Emmaus. Emmaus is translated as warm spring. So it's nice to think when you're disappointed, you just have a warm bath. You head and have a nice bath. I don't believe in baths. I think baths should be called soup of the day because you're sitting in everything that happened that day. I think it's, you would never sit in your shower drain, would you? And that's what you're sitting in, in your bath. But they're heading to Emmaus. They're disappointed. They're very, the nerves are going, thank you for that. Um, they're, they're really disappointed by everything that's happened and they just need to get out of there. They need to get out of Jerusalem, they need to walk away and they need a warm bath. They just need to chat about it and as they're walking, they're downcast. 
And then this guy walks up beside them. And they're kept from recognizing him. But we know it's Jesus. And he starts talking to them about the scriptures. And again, we see later it says, we're not our hearts burning as he shared the scriptures. Again, that hope was coming up, but they wanted to suppress that hope. They didn't want to be disappointed again. They didn't want Jesus to let them down again or the scriptures to let them down again. They needed a new hope. And as Jesus walks with them, he shares these things and even confronts their thinking and says, maybe you've got it all wrong about the scriptures. Maybe this guy is still the guy and they, they just couldn't fathom it. They had tunnel vision. And then they get there, Jesus breaks the bread and bam, they know who he is. Straight away, hope is restored and they hook back to Jerusalem to tell everyone what they've seen. So that's what's going on. We need to know these people, Cleopas and his friend are very disappointed. Their hope is dashed and they need to see Jesus again, but they don't know that. So what's going on here? How do we, how do we apply this to our own lives? If we're going through disappointment, how do we apply this to our own lives? Well, the first thing that we see here for Cleopas is that they saw Jesus as a prophet or a guy that did good deeds before man and God. Both good things. But what they had was a limited view of Jesus. They didn't have a full view. They had a lens over what they were seeing. A way to explain this would, uh, as I was saying, you've probably seen something different going on tonight. Those that can't see that, you need to listen to this story because you need to do what I've done. This summer, my wife encouraged me to get sunglasses and I've never worn sunnies and um, I like to think, she said, you need to protect those beautiful blue eyes. But she was probably saying, hide those eyes. But it was, I, I then thought, because I've got part Scottish in my blood, I want to make money go a long way. If there's a way to get something free, I'm going to figure it out. And so I looked at my extras cover, read through all the fine print, going through it, how do I get free sunnies? I saw I could do it if I do the Cancer Council. I didn't like any of their ones. So I thought, I know, I need to get a prescription for sunnies. And so firstly, and I will, um, this is a confession here. Firstly, I thought, I'll just botch the test. I'll pretend I can't see what's going on. <laughs> They'll give me prescription lenses and then I'll just switch them out later. Again, I didn't do this. This is confession. It went through my brain, but then it left my brain. But I was like, maybe they'll say I've got UV damage or something. They'll say, yeah, you need sunny. So I booked in for an eye test, rolled into the optometrist. It's worth noting here that my whole life I've boasted about having 20-20 vision. Uh, the word 2020 has been uh, kind of changed last year. It's no longer a, a positive thing. So again, I can probably say I've got 20-20 vision. But it's, I, I walked into the optometrist, I'd booked my appointment, I sat down, in the, the lady told me to put my face on the contraption thingy, and I'm looking at the letters in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to nail this. She's going to be so impressed with my vision. I read the top line, nailed it. Read the second line, nailed it. Get to the third line, I'm like, no one can read that. <laughs> Obviously, they put that there to make you think you're failing, and, and I said to her, I was like, oh, you, that one doesn't work, or is that... And she's like, just do the test. I was like, okay. And then she presses some button or lever or something and I, I feel a go in front of my eyes and all of a sudden I can read all of the lines and my face just went white. I was like, I can't read. All my life I thought I could see everything around me, but I couldn't see it. And so now I've got to wear glasses. And I didn't even get sunnies because my extras cover only covered enough for glasses. So 
Unbelievable. So it's probably going to be Cancer Council Sunnies for me. But let's not, I'm speaking to myself here, let's not lose track. Um, what I figured out in that moment is that I needed a lens. I was viewing the world a certain way and I wasn't actually seeing everything that was in front of me. I had limited vision. Similar to Cleopas and his friend, they had limited vision when it came to Jesus. They were viewing him through a letterbox. And because of that, they were only seeing part of what was in front of them. In the same way that a lens can help your vision. So if I was to put on Pastor Nathan's glasses, it would be very blurry. Again, I would look at my wife and, or I would look at someone that I thought was my wife and be like, there's a beautiful woman and it's, it's the lead singer of ZZ Top because it's all, it's all blurry. So lenses can also not help your eyes. And this is what's important is Cleopas and his friend had lenses on that weren't helping their vision. It wasn't just stopping them seeing some things, but it was making it all blurry. And I mean, this is all good and fun to talk about vision and lenses, but I guess my question for you is, do you have a lens when you look at Jesus? When you talk about Jesus, are you only seeing a part of the picture? And so uh, the way that you can ask yourself is, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say Jesus is a prophet? Do you say that he's a good guy? Do you say he's the son of God? Do you say he's a historical figure? Do you say he's a loving person, a rabbi? Do you say he's a, a, uh, a social justice warrior? Do you say he's an advocate? All of these are good things, but all of these are only part of the truth. And what happens when you put a lens on and it limits your vision is it affects the way that you see it. It affects, that then in turn affects what you attach to it. And that takes us to the next little bit. So the first question you need to ask yourself, do I have a lens when I view Jesus? And am I viewing him through a letterbox? Am I only viewing a part of who he is? We see in verse 21 that Cleopas says, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, when we view Jesus through a lens, what we actually do is we attach our own expectation onto Jesus. And this isn't helpful because when you attach your own expectation onto Jesus, there is no doubt you're going to be disappointed. When I was... um, Rhi and I, as, as I've shared before, we, we spent three months in Europe traveling around after we got married, before kids, just the right time to do it. And we, um, we traveled around in a motorhome and, and I was so excited to surf in France. I was so excited to get to the French coast and, and surf in Hossegar. Hossegar, Hossegar. Oh, if only Christelle was here, she told me how to say it properly. Hossegar. Let's just go the Aussie way. Hossegar. And so it's this amazing beach break and I was so excited to surf it. And so Ree and I drive our motorhome up, hire bikes to drive to the beach to have a look at what's going on. We get there and it is flat as a tack. There is not a wave to be seen and all of my hopes had been pinned on surfing this one particular spot. And so we spent the day, we had the bikes for the day and Ree had the time of her life. We're riding around the French beaches, the French beaches to all the cities and all the towns and eating pastries and I hated that day. It was horrible because I was completely blinded by my disappointment. I was so disappointed that I couldn't surf in France, that I couldn't enjoy riding a bike with my wife through France, eating pastries. What a glorious day. (laughs) And so when we attach our own expectations on Jesus through our lenses, what we do is we 
We set ourselves up for disappointment and then we become blinded by our disappointment. And so maybe in your walk right now, you're having thoughts like this. Maybe you're thinking, I thought Jesus would have taken away my depression by now. I thought Jesus would have healed my body by now. I thought Jesus would have given me a a husband or a wife by now. I thought Jesus would have given me kids by now. I thought he would have saved my family. I thought he would have saved my marriage. What's happening here is you're placing your expectations in the center of your faith, not Jesus. When we put the person of Jesus in the center of our faith, our expectations rise and also our vision rises. But when we, when we put our expectation in the middle of our faith, we're driving our faith. And in those moments, that leads to disappointment. The reason we're talking about discipleship as a church is because we know the faith walk has ups and downs. Absolutely, you're going to face disappointment. You're going to face great things too. But there's going to be disappointment that comes along. And if you're putting your expectations in the center of your faith, that disappointment may break you. And we don't want to see that. So it's important to ask what changed. What changed for Cleopas and Voldemort or his friend? A key thing changed for them. And it's worth noting, I do want to point out, that this isn't just a symbolic story we're reading here. This isn't a fable. This isn't a parable. This isn't something to just pull truths out of. This is an eyewitness account. This is exactly what happened for Cleopas and his friend. And uh, it's for all those uni students, when in the Gospels, when they use a name, it's kind of like putting a reference in your notes. It's like going, this is where this source was. And so for, for Luke, when he wrote this, when he talks about Cleopas, it's like, this is what happened to Cleopas and his friends. Go and chat to them. Go ask them what happened, and they'll let you know. And it's important that we do know that those things happened, because what changed for Cleopas and his friends? They had a revelation of the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't just there to redeem Israel. He wasn't just there to perform some miracles. He wasn't just there to be a prophet. He was there to be a sacrifice once for all, for all mankind. And unfortunately, their vision didn't allow something that big to be seen. But then as they break bread and they see that the person sitting across the table from them is Jesus all of a sudden, it's true that Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive, which means that he has conquered death. And while Israel being redeemed is great, how much more that he can conquer death? And I'm I'm amazed because for Cleopas and his friend, they don't know the ramifications of this yet. They just know that everything has changed. Life is not the same anymore. It's not going to be the same for the Jewish people. It's not going to be the same for the disciples everything has changed because Jesus isn't just this guy doing great things. He has conquered death. He is the son of God. It's uh, and for us, like have a look They're on this road, they're walking with Jesus. They're talking with Jesus. They're reading the scriptures with Jesus. None of this is enough to see Jesus for who he truly is. The key to understand, or let's go back, the lens we need to see this all through is that we serve the resurrected Christ. That's the one lens that really matters. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean when we have the revelation of the resurrected Christ? Well, there's this amazing word in the original text, 
and it's Dianoigo. It's, I don't know the proper pronunciation, but it's something along the lines of Dianoigo. And it appears twice in this passage. I'm going to go to the second one, and it's, it's when Jesus opened the Scriptures. It's saying Dianoigo. So it's saying that He opened their minds. Their minds were open to the Scriptures. So after they realized the resurrection was true, their minds are open to the Scriptures. How often when we read the Word, do we read it with a lens? Do we open the Bible and go, I want to see that Jesus is inclusive. I want to see that Jesus is accepting. I want to see that Jesus is loving. All those things are good. Don't get me wrong. They're very good. But when you read the Word with a lens like that, you set yourself on a direction. You'll find what you want to, you'll find what you want to find. That's what's amazing about the Bible. But what Jesus shows us here is the lens we need to hold over Scripture is the resurrection. That He has conquered death. And so when you're reading the Word, you need to just go, am I holding a lens over this? If I am, take away that lens. Let's put the lens and see how is this pointing to Jesus. All of the Old Testament, all of the the rabbis and, and teachers that had come before Jesus thought they knew what it meant. Cleopas, Jesus' disciples, thought they knew what it meant. None of them knew what it meant. I'm sure Jesus would have got frustrated constantly because he's like, how can you not see? And he's explaining it to them. And now when we go back in the Old Testament, we see that everything there is pointing to Jesus. This one moment in history that changes it for everyone, forever. And so Dianoigo, to open your mind, to allow the resurrection to be what you read the Scriptures through. The other one... Is in So that's in verse 32 when he opens the Scriptures. The other one is in verse 31. So this word dianoigo again is also opened their eyes. So literally opened their eyes. So we saw when Jesus first walked alongside them, they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't perceive who he really was. But then we see as he breaks the bread, their eyes were opened. They could see Jesus completely for who he was. And that's my prayer tonight. My prayer is that you will experience Dianoigo, that you will experience your eyes being open to who Jesus truly is. So the first thing we need to do is acknowledge, am I looking at Jesus through a certain lens? And then ask His Holy Spirit to open your eyes. Open your eyes to see who He truly is. If you want to see change in your life, if you want to see change in other people's lives, we need a full picture of who Jesus is. We can't try to make him, I love what Nathan shared about the little calf, like it's, we can't make him a little shelf guy. This guy that we've got on a shelf and we bring him out on Sundays and we wave him around and go, woo, we worship this guy. We need a full picture of who Jesus is. And we need, I can't, I can't convince you the resurrection happened. All I can say is these are eyewitness accounts and I have faith that it did. And the resurrection power that we read about here, I've experienced in my own life. And He wants you to experience that too. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to show you all of Himself. But you need to allow Him to. First, you need to get rid of your lens. Then allow Him to put His lens over your eyes. So how do we respond to this? I think there's two parts. I think firstly, and as we start as a church to walk down this discipleship track... I think we need to start at looking at ways we can respond to a message during the week. And so my encouragement to you this week is read the Word. Read the Word and see what it's telling you about the resurrection. 
See what it's telling you about Jesus. Allow him to reveal more of himself to you. Allow yourself to get a greater vision of who Jesus is. Open your Bible. It's not hard, but Jesus, it's powerful. If you want a revelation of the resurrection, we need to read about it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and into our lives and into our eyes so that we can see what is truly happening in the Scriptures. The second one, I'll invite the band to come join me, is I want to ask if you've allowed God to open your eyes. If you've allowed the Holy Spirit to correct your vision. You know, I experienced that amazing moment where what I thought was normal wasn't normal. And it was made clear for me. And now I can read. I remember a couple of times I hopped down after doing a message and I think I said it to Melissa. I was like, I couldn't read my notes. I thought I was having anxiety attacks, but I just couldn't read. It was all blurry. But we need that adjustment. Maybe you think you can see properly. Have you gone for a test? I'm not talking about eyes now. I just need to switching over to your, your faith walk now. Have you put it to the test? You know, it's all good and well to say, this is what I know to be true, and this is how I'm going to live my life. But Jesus wants to reveal more of himself to you. He's got so much more for you. He wants to open your eyes. And it's incredible because these were followers of Jesus, but they still couldn't see everything that was happening. And so tonight, as I said, my prayer for you is that your eyes would be opened. For me too. I constantly want to learn more and have more revealed about who Jesus is and the person that he is and allow that to flow into my life. And I want that for you too.